Uh, for day, good evening. Dave Dwayne is with you. Welcome to News Talk K57's Man, Land, and Sea News of Talk uh, News of Guam, excuse me, and her island environment. Uh, pleasure to be here with you tonight. This is our second week of a brand new show. We debuted last week. At my first guest last week, uh, Lieutenant Governor Josh Tenorio, Mayor Robert Hoffman, as well as Stephanie Flores, and we had some great stuff that we talked about. Number one, we talked about, you heard it right here on News Talk K57, by the way, about the carnival. The carnival this year is going to be going green. What do we mean by that? Well, it simply means we've, uh, Lieutenant Governor and Robert Hoffman, he's the chairman of the Liberation Carnival Committee, they decided to do things differently this year. Going green, meaning we're going to be powering up the carnival using utilizing solar panels and batteries the goal is to uh, completely power up the uh, carnival utilize a good idea man. it is it's it's awesome super awesome as soon as I heard it I thought that was probably one of the better ideas yeah I I did hear uh, Melissa mayor Melissa Sabaris uh, speak on the issue as well and they're, they're definitely trying not only are they going to go uh, off the grid and power hopefully hundred percent of the uh, Carnival by solar and, and batteries, but they're also going to require a lot of the vendors to use recyclable food containers. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, the styrofoam yeah. stuff just doesn't work too well. So. No, that's no good. So, you know, we're, we're trying, to, trying to do things different this time around and uh, very excited about the possibility of uh, going green with the power, uh, you know, solar panels and uh, batteries. New battery. Yeah, new, that's what we've been hearing New about technology. New technology in battery. It's called, um, who's that guy? <laughs> that Russian guy. Oh, Russian guy. Oh, still, I don't know. No, no, the guy who invented the, um, what's his name? <laughs> 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 um, you know, the guy, uh, right? that's what they call a PV solar solar panel. I know they have that. The solar batteries, they're using them for the home, too. They, they like, regenerate themselves, right? That's what renewable Yeah, well, energy. this new battery, it's, it's a brand new one. It's called, I, I got it in the top of my head. I just can't think of it for I some reason. I thought it was the LG. I saw the battery itself and it had LG on it, but I don't know the, the, the name. Yeah, I'm going gonna, gonna to touch base with uh, Mariana's uh, renewable energy and, and, and find out a little bit more. Possibly even get him on the show. So, um, uh, what's that? Tesla. 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 Yeah, Tesla. He, um, the inventor back then. And, Huffaday, good evening. I got my first guest just walking in. She got a little lost. <laughs> she got a little lost. I was like, where is she? My first guest. Hi, good evening. How are you? Good, how are you? Uh, go ahead and uh, get situated. And, um, got here in the studio. I'm very, very happy uh, to have her. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. And there, go ahead and put your headsets on. And then there's are your control there. The little knob there controls the volume. Okay. And then you can uh, on and off to go on the air. Press on and go ahead and press on. And talk into that little microphone and you're good to go. Hello. Introduce yourself. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I'm uh, Dr. Ramina King. Even doctors can be late. Doctors can be late. 
Yes, they can. I was oh, like, I thought it was uh, 6.45 and I was so lost. I was roaming around the mall. I was I looking for her outside and I said, and she called me and I missed her call. I said, where are you? She goes, uh, you did say the mall, right? I said, Aconta Mall, right? You please say you're at the Aconta Mall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. I said, okay, well, just keep walking until I see you. And thank goodness. We have uh, Dr. King. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you. Uh, again, uh, the subject that I would like to uh, have you talk about is something that I'm familiar with a little bit, but I'm sure you could enlighten us to the, a lot of the details as to uh, climate change and global warming. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you want to start off with a question and I can answer it? Well, or? you know, we, I think <laughs> most of the people out there know uh, climate warming had something to do with the ozone, was getting depleted or something yeah, to that what effect. What is climate okay, change? Okay, well, well, let's start with the basics. Okay, so, there um, you go. Everybody knows what weather is. Yes, of right? course. Weather. Right, right, so right. What, what is weather to you guys? Uh, weather. Everything that's around us, uh, the, the environment. Uh, man, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like if I asked you, hey Dave, what is the weather today? What would you tell me? Uh, we, we've got to do with uh, clouds, rain. Uh, right. You heat, say, oh, it's sunny. Sunny. Right. Right. What's the temperature? Correct. Correct. What, what's the usual temp? What's the usual forecast for Guam? Like sunny, chance of showers. Right. Maybe like northeast. Don't ask me wind. that question. <laughs> <laughs> so me this, that's, this that's would be Chip Guard. He is also supposed to be here with me. Is he? Uh, is he coming? Or yes, is? he texted oh, me and fantastic. said that he was on the way. Fantastic. So I'll I'll just do his bit right here, and sure. then when he gets here, he can do it. <laughs> what is the weather? And by the way, uh, if anyone uh, after uh, Dr. King gives a, let us know what the weather is all about, uh, be free to give us a call four seven seven five seven five seven. That's our number very familiar number <laughs> and uh dr king please proceed so you know weather is right there in in back of you it gives you your weather <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty cool um, and basically climate is weather over time okay okay so um what is the weather every single day for 30 years and eventually you'll start to see patterns you know and mm. so for guam what kind of patterns do we see over the course of the is year? That, is that something, patterns, is that similar to what Chip would say, uh, models? Uh, no, not models, like patterns. Like, for instance, you know, do we have summer, winter, fall, spring? Are Like those seasons, do we have that on Guam? Not here, no. Well, what do we experience on Guam? Just summer. <laughs> <laughs> Rainy Rain season, sun. right? Rain. Rainy yeah. season and dry season. That's so it. So those those two seasons are our climate, right? So right. basically, it would be taking the weather forecast, the weather conditions, the atmospheric conditions every single day, documenting documenting them, and um, eventually um, starting to see a pattern. So um, for Guam, we have a rainy season, and then we have a dry season, okay. and the dry season is characterized by wind from the northeast, those northeast trade winds, right? right? Mm -hmm. And the rainy season is characterized by rain <laughs> and a lack of those northeast trade winds. So once, I think, when people talk about climate change, they want to just jump straight to uh, global warming, but I think it's really important to have, a more than that, huh? to have a fundamental understanding of what exactly climate is and what weather is and, and what the differences. And I'm totally going to steal Chip's line, but Chip at this point would normally say, oh, um, climate is what you expect and weather is what you get. Mm. 
So um, he usually comes in, but what? he's not here, so that I'm just pretending sense, he's here. And, you know, ad libbing for him. <laughs> <laughs> Can you give us a little idea uh, what are the effects, negative effects? Is there any positive effects of climate change and or... Well, before I get to climate change, I just want to emphasize that um, you have uh, natural climate change. Okay. And then you have man-made climate change. And the man-made climate change is also called anthropogenic climate change. So the natural climate change is, as you know, the Earth is about 4.5 billion years old. And over the course of that 4.5 billion year history, we've had snowball Earth, we've had fireball Earth, you know, we've had a series of ice ages Correct. and interglacial periods. All of that is, is climate change. And most of the big, uh, big picture climate change have to do with these orbital forcings. They're called the Milankovitch cycle. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go into that. I'm going to focus on the man-made climate change. But I just want um, your listeners to be aware that you know we have natural climate change and, and variability, and we also have the anthropogenic climate change that we, that we will be focusing on and the, the impacts on the show. Yeah. And so with the, with the um, natural climate change and, and variability, we don't have any control over that as humans. You know, okay. those, those cycles have been going on like every 100,000 years, every 42,000 years, every 24,000 years, right? Those are those Milankovitch cycles that happen. Um, and then we also have uh, other cycles that we see, like El Nino, the El Nino Southern Oscillation. Oh, yeah. So sure. when we're in an El Nino year, a La Nina year, that's natural climate variability, and that, that also affects our climate, our rainy season and our dry season, whether we have more typhoons or, or not, right? That and we have no control over right? I see Chip! I see Jeez. Chip! Oh, my goodness! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'll tell you. Sorry, sorry, Before focusing... Focusing back, focusing back on this now, right? If and you're just tuning in, this is uh, Man, Land, and Sea, and uh, Dr. King, you're a, a fireball yourself. You just lighten up the show. And, uh, you know, again, we're going to be talking and getting a little bit more in-depth, uh, a little bit more about climate change, what are the effects in our particular region. You know, of course, it's going to affect the whole world, but we live in Guam. We want to know what's going to happen here and what are they what can we expect? Absolutely, Dave. And so this is sort of just the, the background bit. And I, and, I, and I hope we go back to Enzo because this is sort of Chip's specialty. Sure, um, sure. Oh, here he comes right and now. And here he comes, a late bloomer. Uh, Hi! <laughs> <laughs> At 6.46, I was, I was here two minutes before you were. Everybody knows, everybody knows this man. He's, uh, you didn't see me, like, wandering? No? Okay, well... Um, so anyway, I stole your line we're gonna, about the weather and the climate. Weather Dr. King, we're going to take a short break while we get Chip situated. And uh, Bronson, if you could, please, uh, we're going to take a short break.
do magic. <laughs> okay. Ten minutes until the top of the hour. Dave Dwayne is with you. Short break to get our guests situated. We've got uh, the one and only, everyone knows him in Guam, Mr. Chip Guard. Half a day, Chip. Welcome to the show. Half a day. Half a day. Um, Dr. King was just uh, educating us on uh, climate change and eventually global warming and the weather. What is weather, Dave? I don't know. Clouds? <laughs> Rain, maybe? And you were right, Dave. Yeah. Those are all... Oh, sorry. Okay, there you go. And you were right, Dave. Those are all different parts of the weather that we talk about. And now that Chip is here, sure. Um, and we ended off with El Nino, La Nina. I think this is an excellent opportunity for Chip to just chime in on that. Is that on? Uh, press on, and you're on. There you go. And speaking to the mic, Chip. Hello. Uh, there you go. Yeah, we're we're in an El Nino actually. Right and, now? Uh, we are. Yeah. And we're in the dry phase of an El Nino, and I guess you can tell it's dry. <laughs> okay. We haven't had much rain. A lot of fires. Yeah, a lot of fires, and uh, and this is what happens uh, the second half of an El Nino. So the first half, we had a lot of storm activity out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of it hit our friends up in the uh, CNMI. That is right. But there really was no reason, no meteorological reason why those storms couldn't have come across us. So, uh, you know, we have our uh, our periods of time, and they have their periods of time. And back in the 90s, they all hit us. Yeah, <laughs> correct. So, and, uh, uh, like right now, El, it's El Nino now? It's an El Nino. We're phasing out. We're going out of the El Nino. There's a possibility we could go into a second year of an El Nino. Mm-hmm. Two-year El Ninos back-to-back are pretty rare, but they do occur. Okay. Uh, La Nina's, on the other hand, the cold phase, the phase that sends all the storms all the storms develop out to the west of us and the sea levels go up. Those those uh, periods, sometimes we can have one, two, or three of those in a row. It's more common, but uh, but for El Ninos, they're usually by themselves. We have an El Nino, and of course there's different intensities. And the stronger the El Ninos are here, the more severe the conditions are. And you can remember some strong El Ninos, Paca. Oh, yes. I remember that one. <laughs> I remember the ball match, actually. I, I was here for every major one. Yeah. I really was. I really was. And the moderate El Nino, we had, uh, we had uh, Chaba, I mean, uh, Chatan in uh, July, and then six months later, we had Pong Sun Yes. So, I was here for both. Uh, we got one brewing right now. Uh, we uh, got a little disturbance brewing. It's uh, dropped quite a bit of rain in Kosarai and, uh, and Ponape. Is that unusual for this time of the year? Uh, kind of, sort of, maybe? It's uh, it's not really unusual. What would be unusual if it developed? Oh, okay. And, then, uh, and, and if it developed, that would be more in line with a, uh, a developing El Nino. Okay. So uh, it, it, it's going to move through here pretty close to here probably early next week. And... Uh, we don't expect much out of it right now. Just some much-needed rain. Some much-needed rain, and maybe not even maybe a lot not. of that. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, I always tell people, don't turn your back on a type. I mean, on a on a system because this is the basin, the only basin in the world where we can have a typhoon any month of the year, and they can spin up in three or four days. So uh, true, true. So we watch them very closely. We're we're pretty uh, experienced, and you know. Storms, uh, you know, we, we really are actually. Yeah. But uh, you know, where else in the world can handle major super typhoons? We handle them pretty well. We do. I always tell people there's no place in the world I'd rather go through a hurricane or a typhoon than right here on Guam. 
That's right. Our we're building ready. codes. We're ready. Our our building codes are just that's you know. Uh, I see some of the houses in the states, and I say they'll never, ever, ever. <laughs> they'll never handle a super typhoon. It'll just blow away. San Francisco. Woo. Yeah. So, anyway, the uh, I brought you in, Dr. King uh, asked uh, asked you, and I'm very happy you're able to uh, entertain us uh, with your knowledge and you know climate change and uh, global warming is a big thing. Uh, you know, we hear about it every day, and uh, or we hear about it a lot, and uh, I think most of us don't know much about it. Well, so Chip just closed off with the ENSO and we also talked about the natural climate, um, natural climate variability and, and all those cycles. So I think everyone is, is, when they talk about climate change, they always talk about the anthropogenic climate change, the man-made climate change. And that has to do with the emission of greenhouse gases into the atmosphere, like carbon dioxide and methane. And um, when those gases get added into the atmosphere, um, the Earth, well, the Sun uh, emits the shortwave radiation into the planet, and the Earth emits the longwave radiation back out. And when we change the nature of the atmosphere by adding these greenhouse gases, um, there's a bit of a delay in that longwave radiation going out, kind of like a greenhouse ah. gas, like, so, like a greenhouse. Um, like your car on a really hot day, and you don't have the shiny windshield thing, yeah. right? And all the yeah. <laughs> all the windows are rolled up, right? And you leave your car out there for four hours, and then you're like, oh, I forgot the shiny windshield thing, the reflective right. visor. And then you open up your car, and it's so much hotter in there than it is outside, right? right. right? So that's an that's an example of, of uh, greenhouse gases, greenhouse. Yeah. Effect, and and know. and that effect uh, makes our warmer. Correct. Um, and the the impacts of a warming planet, um, one of them would be sea level rise. Okay. Um, so if we have a warming planet, average global temperatures are warmer. Um, the you'd have a melting of oh, some ice. of the major ice caps, and that would increase the um, amount of water into the ocean and plus with a warming planet you have thermal expansion of the ocean and so um, that would have a overall global average rise in sea level in and so that overall global average rise in sea level isn't uniform meaning like so if they say okay seas are expected to rise like 10 meters, whatever. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be 10 meters in Guam or 10 meters in Greenland or 10 meters in Antarctica. Each place will have their a own relative sea level um, rise or fall, depending on where you live. Oh, so it could fall. Well, so Guam is really interesting because we are on the Philippine plate. Yes. And uh, the Philippine plate is uplifting. Okay. So we're actually rise. We're ac I, I'm not sure what the rate of uplift is. Not much, but at least we're not falling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that and that uplift. And so if um, theoretically, if that rate of uplift m matches the rate of sea level, we wouldn't see a change in in sea level. But for Guam, we are predicting about um, a one meter rise in sea one level. One meter. That's what three feet. Three feet by the end of the century. By the end of the century. So, so maybe a foot by the middle of the century. Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, uh, that's that's important because uh, once you raise the sea level, everything rides on top of the sea level. So the tides, 
So if the sea level goes up, then the high tide goes up and the low tide goes up. And storm surges go up. So that means yes. we have a storm. Even if we don't affect the number of storms, if we have the same storm, that surge is going to go farther inland and do more uh, more damage. Just, I'm just trying to visualize three feet by the end of the century, higher sea levels for Guam, possibly. How, how would that look if you're looking out at Ipau Beach? You know, that, I mean, would you? Would it be that noticeable? Barely noticeable. Uh, well, there's actually a really cool uh, tool by NOAA um, that they created. It's called the Sea Level Rise Viewer, and so you can pull it up and you can uh, put in Guam's zip code. And you'll get a satellite imagery of Guam, and then you can play around and say, what does three feet of sea level look like? And you can actually see what three feet of sea level, uh, three foot rise in sea level would look like for the entire island. And the tool goes all the way up to 10 feet mm. of sea level rise as well. So, so EPAL probably you're going to see at least half of the beach gone. Wow. With yeah. three feet in, in uh, I think so. Wow. Uh, half yeah. the beach there. That see, now that, now that. You know, when you say three feet, yeah. would you? But there's you know, a, there's other parts of the island that are maybe yeah, seven yeah. feet above sea level, so it's going to come in. So more frequently, though, it's going to get inundated, and and worse than that, it's going to cause more coastal erosion. And see, so it's just going to uh, yes, take there's, take there's uh, a domino take effect. dirt away coastal from coastal erosion. The, uh, yeah, yeah. She was you talking know. about uh, thermal expansion, and mm -hmm. what that means is that. As, a, as you heat the... Even Dave Dwayne is on the second Thursday of our debut show last week. This is our second show, and I'm really happy to have Dr. King from the University of Guam and Chip Gard as my guest today. We're going to be talking about, as we were before the break, a little bit about climate change and global warming and how it may affect our island and the region. <laughs> oh, sorry, <laughs> we were talking about sea level rise, so should yes. we just continue sure. off of that, right? Sure, <laughs> right, right. It's, that's part of the issue. But yeah. you know, when we we go through these uh, glacial epochs, we go through uh, glacial periods uh -huh. every hundred thousand years or so, and and a lot of the water in the ocean is tied up in ice over land, and when that occurs, the sea level will go down several hundred feet maybe 400, 450 feet. So the sea level's lower, so that exposes a lot of land. But then as the as the, we come out of the ice age and all the ice melts, then the sea level goes back up. About every 50 million years, there's no ice on the earth, and the sea level can get up another 250 feet. So the natural variability over long periods of time is about 700 feet, wow. you see. And we're, right. we're concerned about just a few feet. And, and rightfully so, because it has a it has an effect on the, especially our low islands out in yeah. The, and, uh, and we talked about that uh, while we were off the air. Some of the islands in the region are already having a, a rise in sea level. Like the Marshall Islands, um, a lot of islands in Kiribati. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're they're at sea level, and just the way um, the natural lifespan of an island, you know, after it's built through volcanic activity, eventually it'll be weathered and eroded and it'll it'll disappear. So that's the natural lifespan of an island. And then you add the sea level rise. So it, 
it, it could it could it could go pretty soon. How and the reason why the, we care uh, about it is, as Shiv said, because people live there <laughs> and societies with cultures and language. Ron, Ronson, how would it affect the animals? Well, the animal on land in those islands are going to be underwater. I'm pretty sure, unless they could swim. <laughs> yeah, that's what they may see animals like the fish and and and. The, what was the question? I I can't hear him. Oh, oh sorry. You Did can't. He ask to, I can't hear him. Oh wow. Mm. You got your your volume up? Can you hear it? Oh, I can hear you now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Oops. See, I couldn't see over there. I didn't know that. Okay. Well, right okay. on. You got it. You got it. Okay. No, that's not like the sea animals. Like the walruses, the whales. How does this affect those those that live within the water? Well, we so this is where um, habitats come into play. So your habitat, so all of these creatures that we love so much, they all live within a specific habitat. And one of the factors of a habitat would be climate. So if you change the climate of their habitat, then their habitat is going to change, and they're going to have to move. Right. And maybe they're going to move further north, or maybe they're going to move further up in elevation to kind of have the same climate that they're accustomed to. And then that'll leave openings for maybe other species that are less desirable to colonize that that area. When so animals make that change, how does that affect them as a whole? That doesn't go into extinction because of it, or is it? Do they adapt like how we adapt to things as well? Well, sure. Um, all living things adapt. You know, evolution evolution we forces us to adapt. But if the climate is changing so so very fast, they may not have. The time, the time to adapt accordingly. Um, That's so scary. It is, and I think I believe we are in the sixth mass extinction that the world has seen at the moment. I was listening to NPR the other day. Was it NPR about um, how all of these species are just going <laughs> extinct? <laughs> which is, we, and we can't attribute all of it to climate change. You know, there's a lot of other human stress, stressors involved that lead to that extinction. But, you know, climate change isn't helping. When we talk about uh, climate change and global warming, you know, uh, I, for one, hear about, you know, Antarctic and the North Pole and the South Pole. If they melt, that it's going to flood the whole world. Well, yes, if the ice sheets in Antarctica and Greenland melt, then we will see an increase in the volume of more than three feet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a lot more than three feet. That's, that's it. A lot more than three feet, but that's not to say that they're, they're going to melt during this uh, glacial epoch. Parts of them will melt, mm-hmm. you know, and then, uh, and then eventually things will start to cool off again and, uh, and uh, the ice will freeze up. And uh, we don't really know uh, when we will hit a period where all of the ice will melt. Yeah, and, and again, that um, the melting of the North and South Poles or the, the Antarctic or Greenland, we're talking in the hundreds and tens of thousands of years before that occurred, right? Well, I would imagine. Well, I don't know about... I, I, you know, we're talking about tens of thousands of years we're going to be starting to go into uh, other... Uh, Orbital forcing... Dean, so there's some Dean 091. What was that? Oh. Okay, we we got a caller. Oh. We got a caller. Our first first. Okay, all I got to do is talk right. Okay, how about day, Dean? Good good evening, sir. Good evening, Dave. Um, I, mean, I believe you have um, your guest, Mr. Chip Bard. 
Well, Dr. Dr. King, King. Am yes. I correct? Yes, sir. Okay, uh, earlier uh, she mentioned something regarding climate change. I believe uh, there's two kinds, uh, Natsu and I believe uh, Mami. Am I correct? No, no, there's, yeah, there's two kinds. So there's the natural climate change that humans didn't cause, and then there's the human-caused climate change, which, which means the increase in the greenhouse gas emissions like carbon dioxide and methane that, that are attributed to human activities like um, industrialization and um, airplanes. Uh, and the fact that we have 7 billion people on Earth now, and as the <laughs> populations increase, you know, we're going to have more uh, greenhouse gases out there just due to uh, uh, not only respiration of the people, but actually uh, consumption. The so in regards to uh, as far as like a human, um, uh, uh, far, uh, on the climate change, what, what can we do to um, slow the process down? What more efforts can we do? Good question, Dr. And I'll, I'll hang up Dave and I'll listen on there. Okay, Dr. King, can you address that issue? So as islands, right, we have such a small population within just, you know, the islands in the Pacific. Um, we can't really do much. Not, not, we, we can't make an impact on the amount of emissions we emit um, in comparison to, say, a country like China or a China like the United States or China like Great Britain. Like if those big countries, you know, decided to go green and stop emitting carbon dioxide. Mm -hmm. It would have more of an impact. That would have a huge impact. Compared to know, what we can do. Compared to what we can do. So usually in the islands, it's not about mitigation, it's more about adaptation. And it's unfair because we are least responsible for this, but yet we are going to bear the, the brunt, brunt yeah. of this, which... I think that's a great answer, Dr. King and uh, Dean. I hope you uh, hope you got that and uh, hope it answered your question. Once again, we're a man, land, and sea. If you got any questions? Be free, uh, feel free to give us a call four seven seven five seven five seven. And uh, Dr. King would uh, do her best to uh, see what she can do to answer your question. Chip Guard is here as well. We'll let you know what's going on with the weather or what can we expect from the weather in regards to uh, climate change and global warming. One of the other things that we can do uh, is uh, it, it has to do with the consumption that we have in the, on the earth, and that is to recycle. And when Good. you recycle, you use these things over again, and, uh, and, and they don't pollute. You know, there's a, a big problem with uh, garbage, plastic, and things out in the Correct. middle of the ocean. Yes. And, uh, plenty of it. Yeah, plenty of it. And, uh, and it's, pretty, it's pretty bad stuff for the... Uh, you know, for a lot of the fish and and, and uh, animals that are out in the ocean, mm -hmm. I think they just found a whale I know, with uh, all kinds of plastic in its uh, a pregnant whale, mm -hmm. all kinds of plastic in its uh, stomach, and uh, and it died. And uh, so we've got to, uh, you know, if we can uh, clean up the oceans, that will help a lot. Sure would. You know, we <laughs> speaking of cleanup, you know, of course that's one of my pet peeves. You know. You just got to learn how to respect the island, respect the environment, and uh, we'll all be better for it. So, uh, with that said, you know, I'm not asking you people, please, you know, throw your trash, recycle them if you have to, or if you can. You know, we can't uh, continue to do what we're doing, and uh, our environment's going to suffer in the long run because of it. 
Right, and so that's, uh, as building on what Shiv said, you know, by reducing the human stress on the environment, we are giving the environment a better chance to be resilient and recover against these impacts of climate change. Like in a classic example would be, say, coral reefs, right? So with the warming temperatures, we would see maybe increased bleaching events here. Right? And um, the bleaching events don't necessarily mean that the coral is dead. It just means that the algae just fled and the color, um, the color fled with it. And so it looks white, you know, like someone put chloric on it. Will the marine life still well, consider that home? If well, so usually if the sea surface temperatures cool down enough, that algae can come back and the coral can become colorful again. And um, it might be a little bit weakened and more susceptible to disease, but it can it can come back. And to to help it along, um, we could stop doing things to that coral, for instance, like stepping on it, right? Like you know that goes a long way, or you know putting a lot of sedimentation on it, or you know putting garbage on it, um, you know, or maybe not over harvesting the fish that live there. So there are lots of things that we could do as humans for like specific. Um, specific parts, um, you know, like just uh, treat the environment a little bit better. Nothing. You know, the erosion on the southern end of the island really puts a lot of stress on the coral reefs down there because we have a lot of runoff. Every every time we see a heavy rain, you can see that that uh, dirt, the silt, just sure. going out into the open ocean, and sure. uh, a lot of that ends up on the, uh, on, the on the coral reefs, and that weakens the the reef's ability to fight off diseases and to uh, and to be healthy. And the habitat, again, that the fish are going to be looking for better pasture. Well, they will. And, you know, it's going to affect the, uh, you know, our local fishermen who say, well, the fish went. Well, you know, we uh, kind of didn't take care of the erosion problem. You know, we, we have to mitigate certain things, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, Wildland fires is a big problem with that as well. If we do have rain, there's no more vegetation holding the soil down. It's going to eventually make its way into the shore and into the corals. And the coral reefs help protect us, help protect the island. They uh, the big waves that come in. They, they, waves, right? they help. Uh, they help dissipate sure. a lot of the energy of the waves. And uh, yeah, tsunamis are other things that we don't. We don't see tsunamis very often. Well, we have a lot of tsunamis, but they're very, very uh, weak. We only care about destructive tsunamis, and fortunately, those are very rare. For Guam, yes. Yeah. Luckily, in our region, uh, I, you know, we've had some tsunamis in past yeah. history, but not not big ones, you know. Yeah, Indonesia. Ooh, man. Yeah. That was a bad one. I think I just showed footage of that 2004 tsunami yeah. in my class today. Yeah, when we're rolls up on the beach, you're like those people. You know, that, the killed a, that killed the 250,000 people. That's the total yeah. population of the Mariana Islands. Yeah. Big time. Just wiped Twice it over. out. And just wiped just out. Just wiped it out in yeah. a few hours. Yeah. Um, it was devastating. Yeah, I've seen the videos. It's uh, Mother Nature can, can really do something. I'm, I'm telling you, it's just to visualize that happening in Guam and uh, again our, our shorelines, our, our coral reefs and really protect us and uh, we need to make sure that our coral reefs are there to do what they're supposed to do. Or end up like Katrina, right? Katrina with the bags folding in, all of the barriers they had out there, nothing, nothing helped with that. Yeah, well, Katrina was another 
environmental disaster that uh, was caused, uh, you know, by a failing uh, uh, barriers that they had built there to keep the keep the water out, and when the when the storm went inland uh, to the east of New Orleans, it actually blew the water of Lake Pontchartrain back into uh, New Orleans uh, proper. So it wasn't really the ocean that went in; it was the lake that came in and did all and did uh, majority of the flooding. Okay. Uh, once again, uh, thank you for coming in, uh, Chip, and thank you, Dr. King. Uh, you know, we're climate change and global warming. We learned a little bit more about it, and uh, got anything much more you want to say? Um, I don't. I don't think I have anything else to say. I've, I'm usually an answer the question type person. Answer the question. <laughs> right. Someone asks me a question and then I answer it. Okay. <laughs> Bronson, let's ask her a question. Give all your contact. I know they. Give all your shout outs. Yeah, right now. Right. Oh, shout out. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot to say. Oh, yeah. I did my class. GE203, <laughs> <Yeah, no. laughs> go! And <laughs> Dr. King, you're such a boy. <laughs> One thing about dealing with uh, climate change yes, is sir. you have to consider the. Uh, you have to consider that uh, there's a lot of ethical questions. Yep. For example, you can give up a lot of things. Uh, we we feed a lot of people in the world, mm -hmm. and a lot of reasons we do that is because of fertilizers and pesticides, and uh, and that gives you these fantastic yields of agriculture, and you can feed a lot of people. And if you cut back on that or eliminate that. Then you've got to come up with other things. Hopefully, they're working on getting things that won't have such an impact on the environment. But if you cut back on food, then you have to worry about people starving to death. And uh, and and that that increase of seven billion people and what they're going to be ten billion people before you know it. It's and, an uh, exponential curve. Yeah. that's right. And and that is one of the ways you can help with climate change. This is really controversial. Is you could have less children. And I just <laughs> want to point out, I'm a mom of three, so you know, I I I have contributed to climate change. I fly on airplanes. I have children. I am not like you know, I'm knowledgeable enough about it. But uh, but that but they do um, say that if people did. Um, limit the number of children that they have that could help and also um, eat less red meat. I think our economy is taking care of that <laughs> problem for us. You know, it's getting so expensive nowadays. It ain't like before in the past. Children uh, are so expensive. You know, They're so pricey. Decades ago, you know, like <laughs> my family, we got nine, nine siblings. Wow, my, brother, my dad had nine. Nowadays, it's rare. It, well, it's nowadays getting rare. it's rare here, but nowadays in Latin America, for example, it's not so rare. Or Africa, or, or, Saharan yeah, Africa. Africa. So a lot of places are still having a lot of... Uh, so, so, Dr. King, less population, how does that translate into... Well, so one well, other thing about climate change and sustainability, I feel that doesn't really get spoken about, is the poverty issue, right? Okay. So we could talk about a lot of things that we could do to help the environment, but there are a lot of people that can barely afford to put food on the table or, or pay their mortgage or, mm -hmm. you know, their car payment or, you know. And it's, it's these people that I think we really also have to look at simultaneously in addition to climate change is, is um, eradicating poverty. You know, when everybody is at a level that they can be comfortable and not have to worry um, living paycheck to paycheck or day to day, then I think, you know, um, employing some of these um, seemingly draconian measures like having less children and things like that, it, 
it, that's more, um, you know, recycling, thing, things like that. Um, I feel that they can take that seriously because I do think that, you know, sustainability kind of has this, um, this sort of aura about it that only that only hipsters and and well-off people can do it and it's either all or nothing game you know and I think we want to get away from that I think we want to say we can do a little bit and even if you can do a little bit that's good but I think just as a country just as in uh, a global world nation we the one thing that we could really help is really think about eradicating poverty and that would help? I, I believe so. I believe you'll start to see an increase in recycling. People can afford to buy, you know, these electric cars that have, like, zero mm -hmm. emissions. You mm -hmm. know, um, it goes a long way. Um, and then also, you know, promoting these practices of local local agriculture and, and buying locally. Um, you know, That's big right there, buying right, locally. You know, and, and instead of buying all this imported food that get, has to get flown, you know, thousands of miles that is. that's true definitely and so i i'm a real big advocate of supporting you know local farmers and um and i love the farm to table movements that have been happening here on guam that's really exciting to yes see. i'm looking forward to that as well we need more farming grow our own food you know less planes having to fly in right <laughs> and, and that builds on sustainability so that way exactly. you know it exactly. that makes us more resilient as an island. Like, if it we is. don't have to depend on this imported food, we become more resilient. I, I believe that's going to happen. It's going to happen. And I think there's a movement, just like the movement of uh, people getting more aware now of, yeah, we're trashing our island. That's, uh, <laughs> you know, so uh -huh. I've seen um, a bunch of groups. Uh, Senator Clint Rigel had a bunch of uh, FSM uh, organizations as well as the senators are getting involved now. And there's a lot of people getting involved in the movement to Island. People are even yeah. adopting bus stops as well. Yes, yes. I, I, I love it. I love this political will that we've been seeing. You exactly. Know, I think one of the senators, Senator... Uh, That's the key Perez, word right there, political will. The, I think Senator Perez was the one who introduced this uh, scuba spearfishing ban. You know, yeah. Yeah. Like you, you see a lot of senators really going out and saying, okay, we love our island so much, we're going to propose these things to help safeguard the resources for today and for the future, and I think that's awesome. No, it is. It is. And you know the uh, Marine Preserves doing its job. You, you know, know, we just had a conference on the on the island uh, last month uh, called the Island Sustainability Conference on Island Sustainability, and the uh, University of Guam is one of the real leaders yeah. in, in, in pushing this, uh, this. It's an attitude, really. And, and we uh, need to instill that. And so, uh, so it's gaining momentum uh, around the world. Dr. Austin will Austin. be coming in next week. Matter of okay. fact, oh, great. Yeah. I got Dr. Austin coming in. Shelton. Shelton. Yeah. yeah, he'll be coming in and uh, speaking exactly on that subject, the uh, island sustainability. Again, you hit it on the nail. Uh, it's an attitude. Once we get the attitude to stick in people's mind, maybe they react differently and do differently, and then who benefits? we benefit as a whole. And to foster that attitude, I think it helps if, you know, people can afford it. Oh. <laughs> I just want to oh, say... That was right on time. Uh, wow. I was like, what was that? Was that your phone? I was like, huh? Yeah. I forgot to lower down the bottom. 
I just want to thank you for uh, for reviving this program. And, uh, <laughs> no, it was. Uh, you know, I was uh, sitting in uh, every once in a while on uh, News Talk K57 in the morning shows, midday show. And, uh, you know, I just got, you know, I'm an old radio guy. So I said, let me try and get back into radio. And I brought the idea of uh, let's re, 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 uh, vitalize the uh, environmental show. And, I love that. And Great. luckily, uh, K57... Uh, jumped at the opportunity and said by all means Dave do it I said yes I want to do it I I got the whole month covered already I got Dr. Austin coming in Shelton I got uh, Tyrone Titano coming in GCMP coming in eventually uh, EPA is going to be coming in talking about what they do like more get, friendship. You know, <laughs> it's just bringing back stuff that I really love you know Weary Water Energy Research Institute. I'm going to bring every single person that has anything to do about our environment, uh, Department of Agriculture, bring them in as well. That's great. Uh, we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of stuff. about. You know, my little thing is about trash. I really, really get really upset when I see trash well, all over the place. Can I tell you, sure. we, we just did field work um, yesterday, and we went to this uh, um, this coastal cave, right? Really, like, impossible to access unless it's by boat. Where is it at? Um, up north. Up okay. north. And when we went into the cave, inside the cave, there was garbage. Wow. And there was, like, how? How oh. is it? But, it? but that had to do, I think, with the sea um, bringing, it, ah. bringing it in. You know, like that, that, the, that the garbage gets into the ocean, and then eventually it'll wash back up somewhere. So what we in were seeing day. in that was garbage mm. that got washed up during, like, storm surges. You know, or, uh, you're familiar with the International Coastal Cleanup? Absolutely! Yeah. yeah. I the, used the to work at GCMP. <laughs> the International Coastal Cleanup, we collect data, they collect data. So stuff like that in that cave, if we were to go in there and collect the data, log it down, exactly what they are, we can tell it will be a good indicator where that trash came from. Either it was from uh, ships out there that are dumping it, mm-hmm. are they washing into our island, or is it uh, being produced right here on the island? Mm-hmm. And, and just on the data that we collect, we can tell. We can tell, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, coastal cleanup uh, this year in September, third, third Saturday, I mm-hmm. believe, third or second Saturday, I forgot already. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a big uh, involved big time in the uh, coastal cleanup issue, and uh, again, uh, that's what it was designed to do. Raise awareness to that. Absolutely. Raise awareness, and more importantly, the data that is collected. Again, we pick up tons and tons of trash, and, but the whole idea is to figure out where the trash is coming from. Unfortunately, here in Guam. By far, the majority of the trash is generated by us here on the island. It's yeah. not washing it on. You know, <laughs> so when you mentioned that cave, uh, um, that really <laughs> that really uh, made me uh, think: Where did that trash come from? And again, just by logging it down, you can tell. You know, that that's not from Guam. That came from somewhere else. Yeah. All the fires that are, all the fires we have on Guam are also. Uh, uh, created by the animal with the brains. <laughs> you know, lightning. We don't get lightning started fires. Not there. too much. No. So, uh, Not too much. But uh, once again, you got something you want to talk about? Uh, we got Dr. King and the Chip Guard in the studio. Give us a call, 477-5757. You're listening to Man, Land, and Sea, the environmental talk show, and we're willing to talk about anything about the environment, anything whatsoever. Again, uh <laughs> 
Coastal Cleanup. I have to bring that up one more time. The the data I, I used to give uh, um, presentations about the cleanup, and I said, you know, the data that we collect is so accurate. I can tell you, I can tell you for a fact where people are having <laughs> where they're having sex at. What beach? Whoa. <laughs> I can. I can. I can tell you. You know why? It's on the data card. We picked up this many condoms at this beach. Holy guacamole. I can tell you. That's exactly what the data was designed to do. And, you know, I use that as a a little bit of a joke. Everybody has the same idea. (laughs) I think Marine Mania has uh, uh, taken up the task to do that. Linda Tetrell. Yeah, she's fantastic. Yes, her group, Marine Mania. See, the coastal cleanup, when we collect all the data, we send it off to the Center for Marine Conservation, and they do all the, the tabulation of the data. But we even before we send it to them, Linda and her marine mania group takes it upon themselves to tabulate and calculate all the data. So we know on our island, way before the Center for Marine Conservation knows what the data is and what we collected. And again, that's a testament to uh, the good work of Linda Tetro and uh, Marie Mania. They did they did it for years. I think they're still doing it. Mm-hmm. I, I've invited Linda to come on the show. I think she's off island at the moment, or she's going off island. But uh, if you don't know Linda Tetro, she's a GW. I think she retired. She is retired. Yeah, but she's still very active. She is. You and know, we uh, we have an organization called the Guam Nature Alliance. And, and what do they do? Uh, Linda's uh, big uh, big in that. Guam Nature Alliance is a made a, it's a consortium of all kinds of agencies, uh-huh. all kinds of organizations, and it, there's three aspects. There's Tasi for the sea, correct. There's Tano for the land, mm-hmm. and there's Hanum for the fresh water. And so there's these three groups, and they all get together, and uh, we do things like we had a kickoff uh, the first part of uh, April hmm. for Earth Month. Interesting. And so at Epal Beach, we had a we we had a uh, big get together and uh, and a lot of activities there, uh, uh, snorkeling activities, things like that, uh, and uh, and so several times a year we get together and we will do uh, ha- have these kind of activities, but it's it concentrates primarily on uh, on uh, conservation and uh, and promulgating uh, the healthy island. Again, I, I really feel, I really, really feel a, uh, a new awareness about our environment. Now. I can, I can feel it. It's, it's going to happen. But Linda's a good one to bring on, and she can uh, bring on some other people. Oh and, yeah, uh, I've already reached out there and she yeah. said, Dave, I would love to. Unfortunately, I'm going. She's taken off, going to the mainland, and when she comes back, she goes, hit me up, and I'll come in. I said, okay, by all means, I'd love to have. Her. There's some other NOAA people, uh, uh, Val Brown. Who's a fisheries person? Yes, and she she does. If we have a boat that goes ashore, she'll do the do the uh, underwater evaluation of uh, leaking fuels, things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of people on the island. There's really yeah. a lot of uh, conservation, but this Guam Nature Alliance kind of p- pulls it all together. Yeah, yeah. Aren't they the ones who did the song, like, We Are One? I remember, like, a while ago, they came out with some music, like yeah. a, a video. And a, Is it a... Yeah. Wow, it sound I so think fun. you're right, yeah. yeah. Um, so, the other hat that I... W- sorry. <laughs> 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 the 
the other hat. You have I, your own light, Doctor. I do. I can't help it. The other hat I wear is um, I'm the lead for the Pacific Islands Climate Adaptation Science Center, and uh, for UOG, and we are a consortium um, that's funded by the United States Geologic Survey, and our main mission is to basically help. Um, uh, wildlife, fish, wildlife, habitat, and people adapt to a changing climate. And one of the things that we do is we partner. We listen to um, natural resource agencies and kind of see what they need. How can we support them do their job? And um, that's we get a really small amount of money a year, and we like to use that to fund uh, students to do some of the research questions that the natural resource agencies need answered. And most recently, we um, are funding uh, two natural resource managers, uh, Christine Farron and uh, Pat Keeler. And they will be students at the University of Guam. Mm -hmm. Christine works for the Department of Ag, and Pat Keeler works for Bureau. And this is Pacific through a grant, or this is through a grant through uh, Pacific Islands Climate Adaptation Science Center, which is a U funded through USGS. And so we get a pot of money a year, and we primarily use that money to fund students to answer these management-driven research questions. So they, Fantastic. They get, yeah. Fantastic. So building capacity as well. There's yeah, 30 universities mm -hmm. involved. University of Guam, the University of Hawaii at Manoa, and the University of uh, Hawaii at Hilo. Hmm. Is the grant money you have to apply every year? Or is it a It's a five-year award. Okay. So we have to apply every five years. So every award. year, though, you get or you get and the five-year lump sum. No, 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 no. Every so we apply. It's a five-year award, and then oops, sorry, and every every uh, every year we get a set amount of money. Okay. Well, you you've uh, brought up some interest. We got Tom. Good evening, Tom. You got something you want to say, sir? A couple things. Uh, a uh, suggested uh, uh, guest for the uh, show would be Peggy Denny from I Recycle. She does a great job. Oh, oh, we love Peggy. That's a great suggestion. Oh yes, she's definitely <laughs> definitely on the list. Again, when yep. we, when we talk about the environment, there's just so she many. She used to have her own show here. Kitty. She did. That's yeah. right. I was on it. I think I was awful. <laughs> It was, sir. It was called Where We Live. That's yes, it. you're right. I was on it, too. <laughs> awesome. Yes, we definitely, I definitely have her, uh, Peg, to come on the show. And if she's listening, Peggy, I'm going to be calling you, texting you, WhatsApping you, whatever it takes to get you on the show. Again, she was the, one of the pioneers of doing this. Uh, matter of fact, this is like how many decades? Two, three decades ago. It was myself, Julie Duell. Uh, and also we sat in, but uh, Peggy started the show, and uh, whenever she had to take care of her recycling, as you know, she's missed recycling. Yeah. You know it. Yes, and uh, Julie Duell would sit in, and when Julie Duell couldn't do it, she, they said, Dave, can you do it? So I did it. Uh, I was, was was with GCMP as well. Wow, we're like alumni. Yes, we are. Yeah. Yes, we are. <laughs> and, uh, and that is why this show is named Man, Land, and Sea. I was very partial to that. I, I was, I was going to call it Where We Live, but then I said, I'm GCMP as well. So let me, let me call. And I said, Tyrone, do you mind if I use Man, Land, and Sea, the director of uh, GCMP or the Bureau of Planning, Statistics of Plan? They and still he, have the newsletter, right? They sure do. Yeah. And uh, it's it's called Man, Land, and Sea. And they gave me, said, hey, by all means, you got our blessing. You can call your show Man, Land, and Sea. I said, by all means, I want to call it that. Okay. So it is. 
And uh, again, Penny Denning, uh, thank you, caller, for that. Uh, I, uh, I just have, I have one one question. I don't know if the subject matter experts are there, but you know, when it rains hard, the runoff, Pago Bay turns brown. The water turns brown. Yes, sir. But does the building code, the current building codes now, address the issue of you know? I know for a commercial building, if it rains, all the water stays on the property. It doesn't run off. Uh, if if the building codes take care of that in the future, when it rains heavy, will we not have brown Hoggle Bay or, or brown waters in the ocean? Oh, I think. I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, I think uh, most of the runoff that you see there actually comes from upland and uh, the badlands and uh, and the erosion. So when it rains, really really hard it scours the uh the uh, upper river valleys and that mud comes from way upstream and uh then it goes all the way down to the mouth of the river and out into the uh, ocean but i think more but, to the point to his question oh, is there something that we can do to prevent that well i think epa uh currently is working on a stormwater management plan there you um, go there you go kind of deal with that um you know and to reduce basically the amount of runoff and and, and so i would imagine uh forestry would have and, have and, an impact and well. forestry is also working to do upland watershed restoration by planting more trees correct but when it burns yeah. These restoration efforts basically, you know, go yes. up. Well, hopefully we'll get. <laughs> I'll get the lieutenant governor, Josh, if you're listening. You know, he had that uh, challenge to plant trees. Yeah. Can you imagine we were able to plant trees? Know, 100, 200 trees every single them? day? Every <laughs> single day, we'll have enough trees to keep our soils right where they're supposed to be. So, uh, once again, uh, Man, Land, and Sea, Dave Twain is with you. You got something else you want to talk about? You give me a call, 477-5757. Dr. King, it was such a pleasure. You're just a fireball in yourself. I Thanks. think you could do that. You want to sit in on the show? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I'd be allowed to do that. <laughs> I don't have a filter. So, but I thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored that no. you asked. Uh, and reach out to me anytime, uh, as well as you, Chip. Uh, again, uh, like the caller said, uh, suggesting uh, Peggy Denning, uh, Linda Tetro, excuse me. And there's a whole bunch more, a whole bunch more. And I plan to hit every one of them. Yeah, here's a good one. Mike Gowell. He's been around yes. a long time. National, yes. National Park Service now, but he's yes. coastal Dear zones. Friend. And, uh, yeah, he's yeah. a great guy. He was our former uh, GCMP. At, uh, he was the administrator. Uh, Banji Luhan, I yeah. got her pegged as well. Yeah, Banji yeah. Luhan was my mentor. She, yes. she, she mentored Banji, me. Banji, if you're listening, <laughs> don't be shy. I'm gonna, I want to get you on the show as well. Matter of fact, I, I did speak to her about that. Oh, but, I love uh, Banji. And she mentioned, I told her that you were going to be on the show, Dr. King, and she said, you're going to love her. <laughs> and and uh, you weren't, uh, you were correct. I didn't expect the attitude and the (laughs) (laughs) no no you just like the whole you know here i was thinking it was going to be a real boring and real straightforward type of show but but no you changed that right you know with your laugh and your giggles and getting chip involved and you know if it wasn't for dr king chip wouldn't be here can i bring dr chip garden i said by all means bring him in well we usually present together like he usually yeah. presents first and then yeah. after him and like uh, like you mentioned uh, my gal definitely bring him in I want to bring in EPA you know everybody every single person 
Uh, I want to talk about, you know, picking up these junk vehicles along the road. Mm-hmm. As you know, um, the mayors are just going to are just going to be. Um, I think they already been awarded 1.3 million dollars out of the uh, recycling fund. Oh, that's great news. Oh yeah, it is. Uh, uh, I just hope uh, they get doing it real quick. Yeah, 1.3 1.35 million, and it came from the uh, recycling revolving fund. Great. And the mayor's council is going to be uh, distributing those funds to the mayors, and they will be tasked. They will be contracting out private companies to get rid of these abandoned vehicles, white goods, etc. Oh, yeah. and hazardous waste? Would they also accept like, that, um, they, like they, um, they batteries make, yes. and stuff? Uh, vehicles, heavy equipment, batteries, tires, white goods, and other recyclable materials. Oh, yeah. that's fantastic. That'll I, make it a lot easier for, for yes. Exactly. You know, I think we'll be pay our, renew our vehicles and stuff. They take money for that stuff. Yeah. But uh, we got to say, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep an eye on it and make sure. That <laughs> you know, one of the challenges they used to pay us for that stuff, exactly. and now we have to pay them to take it. You brought that up. You're exactly right. A, a vehicle, for example, you take it to one of the recycling companies, and there's a few of them out there. They would pay you. A hundred plus dollars for a vehicle, mm-hmm. as long as it had an engine, a catalytic converter, didn't even have to have tires. They'll pay you a hundred plus dollars for the vehicle. You bring that same vehicle to them now, they're going to say you pay me <laughs> to take it from you now. Right. Exactly. Yes, and uh, we got Mike on the line. Hop a day, Mike. You got a question, sir? Yeah. Hi, Dave. Can you hear me? Yes, I hear you very well. All right. That's great. Uh, thanks so much for reviving the Man, Land, and Sea uh, program. Uh, you know, uh, we worked together about <laughs> 10 years ago. Who's this? This is Mike. Mike. Mike yeah, Mike Owl. Hey, Mike. Yay, Mike, we knew it was you. <laughs> <laughs> I've been driving Mike. on the road and then just picked you up. And, and so I've missed most of the show tonight, but I uh, find it really interesting. And again, uh, hi, Romina. Hi, Chip. And everyone. Hi, Mike. Um, hey, Mike. Yeah. Uh, we recommended you. I hope we you don't did, mind. We, did, we totally gave you a When they mentioned your name, uh, Mike Gao, I said, by all means. He's definitely uh, someone we'll bring in. And, uh, Mike, you're highly recommended. Uh, I don't know if there's uh, a couple minutes left, but um, uh, sounds like you were talking about sea level rise, climate change. Yes, sir. Tonight. Okay, I missed most of the talk. But yeah. I, I just wanted to uh, put in a few words. Um, you know, over the years, I've worked very much throughout Micronesia uh, with the low-lying islands in Federated States of Micronesia and Marshall, mm-hmm. uh, also uh, with uh, Kiribati and Tuvalu. And uh, with the sea level rise uh, predictions, uh, those things are really uh, in jeopardy. And um, over the years, we've seen that uh, uh, they'll make it so difficult to, to survive in the islands that people will emigrate, and many of them will come to Guam, yes. the U.S., um, but when I worked in Kiribati, I'd like to note that um, I, uh, I had one of my former students in the University of South Pacific uh, eventually became president of Kiribati. And uh, while he was president, he came and visited me in Guam. And this is back in 1992. And he said, oh, we're hearing about the sea level rise problems. Uh, what should we be doing about it? Some people say that uh, it's just a, 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 a cycle uh, and it won't serve our islands that much. And uh, my advice to him way back then was, um, if it's going to be a, a quick rise of sea level affecting your island. Uh, you got to be thinking about it right now. And if it if it doesn't uh, occur, really damage your islands, that's okay. But uh, you shouldn't wait until it happens. And uh, they've taken action in Kiribati. Maybe you've heard uh, another uh, friend of mine who was uh, a successful uh, president after 
named Onote Tong, the former president of Kiribati. Two years ago, he actually uh, for the government of Kiribati purchased some land on high islands in Fiji as an escape area for people if they have to flee their islands in Kiribati. So, uh, uh, and of course, they don't have access to the U.S. like the FSM people and Marshall people do. So, uh, this is, you know, some of the things that are going on, and, and it's, it's looking uh, worse and worse year to year. Yeah, I, I, I asked that question of Dr. King. I said, how long before, in, and she said, probably within a century? 50 to 100 years. Well, and but, here, yeah. places like Kiribati and Tuvalu, which I had alluded to earlier, and I'm so happy that Mike called in and gave us a little bit more detail about it, but yeah, they're experiencing it right now, and they wow. are taking actions like, okay, we can't live here. we got to go move somewhere else. Where are we going to move to? And, you know, with immigration, that also opens up a can of worms, you know, with a lot of receiving countries not, maybe not being as welcoming or, you know, they might not have the right policies in place. Correct. Adequate Correct. support. Well, that now that the issue is being brought up, and I thank you, Mike, uh, for bringing that, and, and as well as yourself, Dr. King, uh, maybe our elected leaders should put that in the back of their head there and start being proactive and think about it the possibility in the future. I think um, there's a woman in Hawaii, her name is Maxine Burkett. She's also a Pacific Islands Climate Adaptation Science Center person. Um, she was looking, or funded by them, and she was looking at um, the migration of Marshall, Marshallese, uh, Republic of Marshall Islands uh, people, and whether that increased migration is attributed to, say, increased sea level, uh, sea level rise that they're that the place that they mm. can't um, live on is. Are they doing a study, or are they already? They are. They are doing. They are doing a study. Or they think. For me, I could comment uh, something on that. Just not to detract from the uh, concerns of, of this, uh, uh, waters overflowing and, and sea level rise. Um, they talk about king tides. You probably seen pictures of, in the Marshall Islands where yeah. uh, in Madre there'll be overflow of the developed areas. Yeah. And um, uh, in Tuvalu, uh, they uh, are very concerned about that too. But um, looking back in the uh, scientific writings of a scientist named Louis Agudez, who uh, studied assholes in uh, Tuvalu, in particular, in 1898, and in his record for the uh, scientific aspects of the atolls, where he was drilling down to see, you know, uh, discover the geological formation of atolls, uh, he said he observed sea tides that would wash through the village there in 1898. So I don't know if that's an older cyclist period when the uh, tides were worse, or uh, if it's something that's always been there. However, it shouldn't detract from planning for uh, the problems we've got. Uh, with the right exactly but you know they had some really bad cyclones down there and at Funafuti there was one that put a a 20 foot uh, a 20 foot mound 20 foot mound there and uh, a similar thing happened in the Marshall Islands in 1918 and if you go out to Ajiltaki which is on the west side of the runway in uh, Majuro you'll see this 20 foot mound uh, 20 foot hill highest location there and is put there by a typhoon uh, that typhoon killed over 250 people uh, when it hit. Wow. Yeah, the uh, new island that was created at, at Funafuti, Chip, was uh, in uh, 1972. It was Cyclone Beebe. Yeah, Beebe, exactly. That was my first experience with uh, typhoons how, and cyclones. How did it create the mouth? I mean, what is it? Oh, it just picks up all the it's rubble across the island. Oh, and, and deposits it. it. Oh, okay. And created a whole new island there. 
Wow. <laughs> wow. Nature's way of uh, making more land, huh? <laughs> yeah, so maybe, maybe things will uh, rotate that way uh, in the future, although there'll be a lot of damage and, and probably deaths involved, but uh, yes. there may be new islands formed too. Yeah, yeah, that's a possibility, you know, and uh, of course uh, the volcanic activity, we're at a volcanic low, a low period in the geologically and volcanic activity and uh, I'm sure the people in Hawaii would, would probably like kick you right now considering oh, what they went through last year. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, Mike's a great guy. Every time I every time I get together with Mike I learn a lot from uh, No, he's uh, he's been he's across got, the whole We uh, love Mike Owl. Mike, uh, you are you are destined to be a uh, sit in on my show when I, I can't make it. <laughs> I've experienced a lot in the islands, and I, I, I don't mind talking about it. So. Yeah, by all means. Uh, thank you, Mike, for calling in. Uh, Mike Gowell. And uh, we got uh, seven minutes till the end of the show. Thank you so much. Uh, and Chip and Dr. King, thank you as well. Again, you've given me a lot of a lot of things to think about. And, you know, again, the issue of the environment is something that will go on forever. You can talk about the environment forever, you know. So it is what it is, and uh, we thank you for coming in. Anything else you want to say, please? I, I'm, I'm just so happy to be here and yeah. be near Chip. He's so fun. And no. by all means, call, you know, send me, you got my email. Send me an email. You, anybody you, you might think would be a good guest, I'll be more than happy to have him on the show. Again, uh, you know, taking care of our environment is not just for us now, but our future generations, our children. You know, we want to leave something for them to enjoy. Our next meeting of the Guam Nature Alliance will uh, mention that your sure. uh, show is on, and uh, actually, we'll send out an email to the group. And by uh, all means, please and, do. Uh, please do. They'll be listening. You'll the the uh, listenership will go up, and you'll we'll start getting a lot more phone calls. Well, I hope I hope we also reach out to audiences that um, are not our friends, because I feel like we we all agree yeah. with well, each again, other. Well, again, right? this is just our second <laughs> show, and uh, but, uh, the word I, will get out in the environmental <laughs> world. And as well as to the regular folks, you know, right. that, that, I, I that really, care. I, yeah, I hope I hope we get those. those I remember things. the old show, and and you used to have uh, young people call in. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that'll that'll happen again, again. especially Linda. She'll get those, the young people uh, calling in. So. Oh, uh, matter of fact, I, I met with uh, you know Julie Dole. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had uh, breakfast with her with her while she was here visiting. Uh-huh. Uh, she came by. She goes, Dave, I'm coming to Guam. I said, okay, she goes, let's, have, let's have breakfast. So we had breakfast in Dededo, and uh, I told her about the show, and she might even call in one day, even from Florida. <laughs> so I said, by all means, Julie. Again, uh, you know, where we live was the original uh, environmental show about two or three decades ago. Yeah. And uh, I was... Uh, very fortunate to be asked to sit in in uh, Julie's show when she couldn't do it, and I said, by all means, and you know, uh, getting involved with K57 doing some of their midday shows, I said, hey, let's do another environmental show, and they just said, by all means, let's do it. I said, uh, we have so many guests, so many people we can bring in, and there's enough issues out there and topics to talk about that will keep this show going for the next foreseeable future. future. And I need a bottle. <laughs> glass of water. <laughs> oh, I was like a if, we, if we do get more typhoons and stuff, and I'm sure we will get more typhoons, yes. uh, we'd be more than happy to come and talk about those as well. Oh, by all means. All means. And uh, believe me, then you'll get the phones will definitely be ringing yeah. big time. 
big time. <laughs> but you know, again, we're we're pretty much experts at typhoons, but uh, we need to know the details when it's going to arrive, closest point of approach. You know, as far as what do we need to do to prepare? We already know. We're going to yeah. go raid the store and buy all the <laughs> buy all the water and tell people not to price gouge and tell the the retailers don't. You know, boy, they do raise the price. You know, they're not allowed to. They're not they allowed, but they still do, they it. do it. A case of water. A case of water. Eighteen, eighteen bucks. What? It's like they know they're they're doing it, but they do it anyway. You know, we just had a Category Five typhoon go through southern uh, Saipan and across uh, Tinian. Yes, uh, we just did an exercise with that with FEMA and the uh, and the government of Guam. And uh, what people don't realize is they've seen the Pacas and the Pungsan Laws. Yes, those are strong Category Four typhoons, and they probably can't imagine a storm could get any stronger. But I got to tell you, storms can get a lot stronger. You than mean anything. Pamela? Pamela wasn't. Uh, Pamela was uh, not even as strong as Paca and Pongsan uh, Pongsan But wow! But it was one of the strongest ones. Karen was the only bona fide Category Five typhoon to hit the island in the recent period. Mm-hmm. Uh, a long time ago, we had we've had a, we've had Category Five. Yeah. Like again, I I think I I've, I've experienced every single major typhoon. Yeah. From Karen. I, that was my first typhoon. Oh, wow. wow. And uh, <laughs> I was watching it from my window, and the next thing you know, I don't know, I said, I even asked my parents, how do we wind up at Auntie Fina's house? Because all of a sudden, we woke up the next day, and I was at, in a concrete home, and the home that I was watching, the beginning of Typhoon Karen, was no longer there. Wow. Just the plat, just the foundation. That was it. I want to pick your brain sometime. No, I went through uh, all of them. From wow. Karen to Parker to Pong Zanwa to you you know them all. Oh, yeah. Every one of them. Pamela, seventy six yeah. Pamela. Yeah, um, I was the guy that forecasted across the island. Yeah, it uh, <laughs> then I, I finally realized typhoons is nothing to, to play around with. You know, as a, during those times I was a junior high high school student. And, you know, all it meant to us was, all right, school's out. We don't have to go to school. When it hit, I, told, I said, I don't want no more typhoons. Yeah. Pamela actually blew me off my feet because I was out there playing, playing on the roads, you know, in front of my house, and it blew me off my feet and blew me down the road. Wow. I got up and ran to the neighbor's house and terrified and said, this is nothing to be, to be playing with. Yeah. <laughs> nothing. Uh, once again, uh, Dr. King, thank you for coming in. We're about uh, one minute away to the top of the hour. Chip, thank you. And by all means, spread the word. We do have an environmental show. Man, Land, and Sea, News of Guam and Our Island Environment will be on every Thursday, 6.30 to 8 p.m. I'm Dave Duenas and uh, Bronson, thank you so much. Bronson. Bronson. Bronson is the guy that plays the good music. And, uh, yeah, that is great music. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, once again, we are KGUM, Agadna, Newstalk, K57. Thank you. Thank you. Adios. Bye bye. Thing about having the old guy. This is CBS News on the Hour. Real news, real reporting. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. The president's son has been ordered to report to the Senate Intelligence Committee. Lawmakers have issued a subpoena for Donald Trump Jr. to make an appearance to answer questions about his Trump Tower meeting with a Russian lawyer during the 2016 campaign.